this morning we are going to continue in the Gospel of Matthew. This morning we're in uh, Matthew 19, uh, verses uh, 13 through 15. Um, let me just break out the last couple weeks. Uh, a couple weeks ago we're talking about unforgiveness, which is a very heavy topic. And then Michael got gifted to talk about divorce, another heavy topic. Well, you're welcome. Today we're talking about kids and puppies. Okay. So you're welcome. Actually, as we look at this, in their culture, this was a heavy topic too. And we're going to look at that today. In our culture, we almost just kind of go past this. Like kids are important to Jesus. Kids are important to us. Woo! To them, and it's in all three of the synoptic gospels, this would have been a stop in your tracks too. So we're going to look at that in a new lens today and see what the Lord does. So read with me Matthew 19, just two verses. It says, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But his disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them... He went from there. And in Mark's account, Luke's account, he actually blesses them. He says, if you don't come to me like they do, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is a powerful verse. Raise your hand if you've heard this passage before. Okay? It is a popular one, but it's one we just go by. And, and we don't really get the weight of it. There's a reason why it's in three of the Gospels. There's a reason why it's in this weighty part of the passage. There is a message throughout the gospel of Jesus Christ. The unaccounted for, the discarded, women, kids, tax collectors, Gentiles, Samaritans, your enemy. There is a list in all the gospels. They live in a world in the Middle East, just like it is today, where people hate each other. Somewhat like America, some like the United States. We're getting there. We're catching up with them. Hate is a thing that the enemy loves, disregarding people. And in the religious sense, their kids just had no place. So for Jesus to do this in this moment was radical, maybe even offensive. We need to give the, the, uh, the apostles a break right here because this was just norm. Like, no, 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 this isn't kid time. No, no, get, get them away. This is Jesus we're talking about. The kids can, can come another time. So for Jesus to do this in this moment was radical. And the reader would have been like, whoa, what? In fact, people that would have been against the Christian movement in the time of the early church said, man, this is just a religion for women, slaves, and kids. So this should get us. In this day and time and in this part of the world, 50% of the children would not make it to 12 years old. They lived in a harsh environment, disease, war, orphans, widows. And in this culture, these parents, these adults are bringing these kids, being like, me and you, I've seen you heal others. Bless my child. Can you imagine if you look in our kids' department or kids that are here right now and say, you know what, 50% of you, you're not even going to make it. 
And sometimes in our world, our privileged world, praise God, we live in some blessings. But we forget other parts of the country right now, the same statistics would be true. Preventable disease right now in this world where evil governments say, yeah, we could get, we could get medicine here. We could get operations here, but nope. Right? So for us, this is it's a little bit foreign, but can we kind of just sit in here and, and, and look at the gospel in a different way? As we, as we look at this passage, and again, the Lord is reminding the early church in this covenant to be different, to look at those that are just disregarded. And we gave a list just a second ago. And we can all relate to this, this even out just side of the, 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 the kids this moment. Have you ever been disregarded? Right? Or if someone just doesn't see you, it happens in church sometimes where you just, just people don't notice you. I, I'm convinced, just like we, we, we have people take a driver's test, there needs to be a social skills test. Amen? Now, you know what I'm talking about. Like people in a group, they're talking, you come up, they turn their back to you, right? Which means you're not a part of this. Does that happen, ever happen to anybody? Am I the only loser in this place? Right? You want to kind of tell people, like, that's rude, and they don't even realize it. Right? These, and don't be like, offended by someone. That's just a part of this broken world that we live in. But Jesus wants us to sit here in this moment and say, I notice the females. I notice the tax collector, the Gentile, the Samaritan. And here, it's kids. And these parents are hoping that Jesus, this rabbi, this miracle worker, that he is different. Understand, even in the biblical account, kids and women are not, like in the, the biggest miracles, they're not a part of the count. The feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000, which much greater, but in that time, the counters didn't count the women and children. Jesus is wanting us to know he sees them. Jesus gives a message later on in, in, in Matthew 23. And he's talking to the religious leaders at the time, and he rebukes them. And one of the points in Matthew 23, 13, he says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying. And the first part of this message is that we, as Christ followers, are to be reminded there's an invitation to the whole world right now to come to the table of Jesus. And Jesus is teaching his people through the Gospels, in their culture, all the people that they've disregarded, and in this movement of spreading of the Gospel, that they're going to have to look at people different. For Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And we are on that mission. For people that have hurt us, damaged us, people that we don't notice, people that we don't even maybe like, we are challenged by the work of the cross in our own lives to say they need Jesus just like I do. So as we look at this, may we not be like the religious Pharisees Because when you walk into the arms of Jesus Christ, you are changed and transformed, and you see people different. You see them 
as an image bearer of God, whether they know it or not. And you will be consumed with compassion by the Holy Spirit to share and be the gospel. And so here's the, the question that we have to continue in the early church had to look at. Who's invited to the table? Acts 2, 17 it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Nothing's off the table for the Lord on who he'll work with. Man, woman, older, younger. God says, man, I'm going to pour it out on all of them. And this, again, was a radical teaching and a radical prophecy. And may we just like, be reminded today, like the enemy loves us to not see people, to not see our neighbor, to not see our brother and sister, to see the lost as an enemy rather than our mission. And today, the focus is kids. There's some things that the Lord teaches us about children and how they come to him. The last chapter that we just taught on in Matthew 18 starts out with this question, who is the greatest? Who's the greatest among us? It's, and whether we, man, this should hit home for everyone in the Western culture, because we are consumed who has the biggest bank account, who has the nicest car, the nicest house, the best retirement plan, right? We're consumed about it. We're t I'm teaching our kids to be first, right? Whether we, whether we like it or not. It's the same question that they had in Matthew 18. It says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. We started Matthew almost two years ago. We started off in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, the least, the outcast, those who mourn. In this society, in their society, it was a belief if you were any of these things in the Beatitude, you were just getting what you deserve. If you were elite in the upper class, healthy and wealthy, then you and your parents did something to deserve that. And this is a common belief in the East and in many places in the world right now. So the Beatitudes reminds us that we live in a fractured world and blessed are those that realized it. In fact, you have some modern day theologians that try to say, oh, the Beatitudes, blessed are those that mourn. Jesus didn't mean that. Oh, blessed are those that are hurting. Well, Jesus is saying you realize you need a savior. So the world and their ways and this fracturedness has disregarded you. That's why scripture says, be careful with finances. It's not that finances are bad, but the love of money will take you to a place that will forget where you are. Your health. Praise God for health. Can I get an amen? But there's a temptation in that as well. We forget. We forget that this is not our home. Scripture says, if you are a believer, you are an alien. 
This is not your eternal home. This world is fractured. And if we would open our eyes and even look outside of our blessings, we'd realize, oh, Jesus, come back. Jesus, save us. So blessed are those that are mourning and broken, for they cry out to Jesus. And the crowds of the lower class and the audience and the beatitude when Jesus is coming, they're running to him just like little children that believe in this loving God and this loving Savior. And we can learn from that. Amen. And would we as a church, just as the Lord, we're in a time of blessing in this church. Let's not let that blessing, as Brother Bill, one of our elders would say, don't let the blessing be a messing. Right? Be a blessing, not a messing. Would we understand? Would, this, would the blessings open our eyes to those that are hurting around us? James 1.27 Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is a command for the church. And again, this is somewhat of a foreign concept for us. In the time of Christ, the Jews had a law from the Old Testament to take care of orphans and widows. But in the time of Christ... The Romans and the culture around them did not. Children would be discarded at birth for all sorts of reasons. Just like we talked about last week in the teaching of divorce, men would disregard women for whatever. They're a bad cook, see you later. Bad anything, I'll see you later. They did that with children as well in the Roman culture. There would be heaps of garbage and people, if there's a birth defect, get rid of that child. In fact, there were cultures in this time that you would take your child before the elders, the, the, the government, and they would decide if that child should live or not. If they were puny, if they seemed sickly, they're like, nope, they're just going to be a hindrance. Disregard. And it was Christians because of this passage, because of their understanding that all had worth because they could be a child of God, started taking these children started adopting these children. This passage is radical. And praise God that he understands our pain. Isaiah 55, 3 says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The Lord knows what it's like. So he says, man, when you were in prison, when I was in prison, did you visit me? When I was down in the, in the mire, in, the, in the, just the, the junk, the hurting, did you notice me? And again, Jesus gives this picture of kids today. And for our culture, praise be to God, we're like, yes, kids are so important. But in their culture, this was radical. And so the Lord just, man, open up our eyes. Who don't we see? Sometimes we're so, and I even saw this during COVID. Okay? I don't want to bring up the Debbie Downer, the COVID years. There were some blessings that happened in that. But I think one of the mistakes sometimes the church did, we were so ready to move on, we didn't let people grieve. 
We were so ready to move on. And I'm talking about Big C Church in America, to prosperity and a year of favor that we forgot. Man, there are funerals all around us. Sometimes the church just missed out on appropriate moments. They were going to grieve with you. We know the ending of this. We know God is coming. We know he is with us. But let us remember those that are hurting, for the Lord is the answer. Point two in this as we're looking at kids. And again, the Lord is showing all sorts of examples throughout the Gospels of people that are part of the family of God that to us right now we take for granted. But in their culture, it was huge. How, how Jesus viewed women, how he views people with, with low uh, like social economic status, kids, Samaritans, Gentiles, like he changes everything. And it's important that we look at being in a right relationship with God, but also with each other. So when, we, when, when the Lord is talking about these kids and they're important, he said, man, if you don't learn from them on how they come to me, you're not going to come into my kingdom. So we need to look at this. Jesus is saying that children matter. He's saying that they can teach us something about his kingdom. And it's important for us, how are we to be in relationship with our kids or this next generation? Raise your hand if you've heard the saying, children should be seen but not heard. Okay, that is not our culture right now. But the generation before us, that was. And in their time, that's, they are taking some, actually some scripture about authority, and we're going to look at that today. And their whole thing is, man, we are over you kids. We should see you, but we shouldn't hear you. And we're going to talk about why that's important to look at it, but from a healthy lens. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And this is an important thing. This is for our culture right now to look at. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Verse four, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So if we look at this and, and kids are the center of attention and our relationships with them, a younger generation, an older generation, look at the way the world looks. Baby boomers don't like millennials or Gen Z, according to the world. I guess everyone forgot about us Gen Xers. Right? We don't even matter. I'm offended. Right? The world is like good at like just one generation hates the other rather than one embracing the next and learning from the other. And parents, I'm right there with you. I need to be reminded an iPad cannot raise my child. And my child cannot get whatever they want. This is endangering them. This is abuse. And yes, I am tempted just like you are on a daily basis. Thank God I married a godly wife who rebukes me. Go to McDonald's and I'm like, whatever they want because I'm not good in the McDonald's line. And I'm not good with a budget. And my kids know it. Like, hey, why doesn't dad take us to McDonald's? I'm like, whatever you want, get it. It's not the best for them. It is hard. But the Lord has put you in their life to be his voice. To tell them how far is too far. To protect them. To protect them from themselves. 
this relationship with our children, they matter. And walking in authority and a godly authority with your children is absolutely time-consuming, but so worth it. Teachers in the house, raise your hand if you work uh, with kids, right? You guys know how important it is, like rules? They're important, amen? Say this all the time, first couple of years of teaching, I thought I'd be the cool teacher and have hardly any rules. That was terrible. And then I went back to all the training that they gave me and said, oh, this rules actually produce some freedom. God says, no, it's for our benefit. Parents, learn the word, no. But there's also this warning here in verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. This children should be seen and not heard. This thing that we all struggle with, with authority. Jesus said, do not lord your authority like the world does. Parents, walk in authority, but don't lord your authority. I am your dad. Do it just because. You are made in my image. You will do it like you're offended because your child is being a human. Humans rebel. Parents, scripture is clear. Do not be so harsh. And maybe some men and women here that come from that background like I did, be careful. Man, they're not your mini-me. They're not supposed to be just like you. Don't be offended by their rebellion. But don't ignore it. We say things um, to children, which is good, like kids don't run in church. Have you heard that rule rule before? Raise your hand. There's a heart behind this rule, and we still tell kids all the time, like, like, I'm the rule person. Don't you run. Hopefully the heart is so that they don't trip and fall, not because they can't dance and shout, right? It's one of the things I love about children. Man, they are ready to have a good time anytime. Like, they are there. We can learn from them. They're like, wow, I'm having a bad day. And they're like just loving this moment. But would we remember the heart behind these commands? This is to keep them safe, to keep us safe. And then there are times that they just need to let loose. Parents, remember this. And this is spiritual parents and DNA parents. Proverbs 22.5. Train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Parents, and this is something good Christian parents struggle with, and I struggle with. Your kids, they are on rent to you. They are God's first and foremost. He loves them more than you. Again, they're not your mini-me. They're not yours. They're the Lord's first. And treat them as such. The enemy loves when we make idols out of blessings. Our kids are a blessing. Let's not have iPads raise them. Let's not let just daycare alone raise them. Yes, you have a child. You have spiritual children. You have earthly children. They're going to mess your schedule up. That's what they do. It's a part of it. There's a balance in that. And it 
comes into our relationships in the church too. Our first missions group, when we talk about Ecuador, we talk about Africa this year. Praise God that we're going to those places. First missions group of these kids here. And those kids up there that need to know and see Jesus, not just from the pulpit, but through the hands and feet of this body. And I thank you for those that minister to our kids. For my kids are pastor's kids. Pastor Michael's kids are pastor's kids. And they get sick of hearing us talk. Like, Dad, you get paid to say these things. Like, whatever. You think you know everything, right? Like, I mean, we do. We do. But when they hear it from you, it's a whole new ballgame. It's something my wife prays for. God, bring more people into their lives. Bring more people into their lives. And I think God is someone who did not grow up in the church and with Christian parents. The different churches I was a part of, there were people that adopted me spiritually. There's something beautiful that is happening in this church body that continues to happen. When we first started 16 years, we were that young, cool, what they called hipster church. I'm so uncool, I didn't know what hipster was. I was like, what's a hipster? We're just a lot of young people, young pastors. And older generations, I don't blame them. We're like, ah, you guys kind of look like kids. I don't know if we want to be here or not. And something we started to pray for, that God would bring us people for baby boomers. And that one day, in Jesus' name, they would be mixed with this younger generation coming up. And we see it in our house churches. We see it even here. Older generation embracing the next the world, generations hated. When COVID first came out, again, bringing up bad things, like, like the younger generation was looking at COVID as like, yeah, it's a fix to our baby boomers, right? And there were like, people were making jokes about it. I was like, that is like evil. But then there's, seen, guys, baby boomers, the older generations in here, and the generation before them, there are people saying just evil things about our kids. This should not be. And this is what the Lord is saying, that outcasts, they're important, but also everyone in the family of God is absolutely irreplaceable. We are here today, and I hope you understand, if you are here and you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, you are so important for spreading the gospel. You are his very hands and feet, whether you're older, whether you're younger, whether you have a lot of money or very little money, whether you're very healthy or not healthy, you are irreplaceable. And we embrace that. Younger people, look at 1 Timothy 4.12. Now you could be 60 years old today and you're like, I am younger. I'm going to embrace this. Do not let anyone look down on you. Because of your youth. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. When we look at our younger people, and we believe in the gospel working in them, the world will tell you every generation. I remember being a Gen Xer, and all media said we were worthless, right? Do you know that now they're saying this generation is worthless? And thank God when I see in this church, when I, when I hear testimonies from people that are working with young people and they're like, God is on the move. Young people, if you notice here in 1 Timothy 4.12, it's telling you 
Also, stop using your youth as an excuse to be dumb. <laughs> it's just not. It's just not. Stop thinking things like, well, I'll just grow out of this. Remember old, us older people? You think, oh, I'll just grow out of it? No. It needs to be redeemed and rebuked, and you need to grow up. Youth is a blessing. May we continue, all of us, to walk in it, but we all set an example. And this is the last thing on this part. What legacy will we leave our children? Right? Is, I look at my own kids. I think just, you know, they all, all three love sports. And, and, I, and I love that. I love that because we can, like, connect to it, but that's not the legacy I want to leave. My son, and you guys can pray for him, he's an avid Cowboys fan. Pray for his heart tonight. I literally watch games with earplugs because he likes to put these on because he's like, Dad, you got to be a believer. Like, oh, son, what have I done? Oh, it's been 25 years. He just doesn't understand. Pray that the legacy is that he would love God with all his heart, soul, and mind. That he would see my ups, he'd see my downs, and he'd realize that Jesus has never left me or forsaken me. He would look at Jessica and I's marriage, not that it's been perfect, but the grace and empowerment of God has been over us. And that they would learn, man, I want to love this God too. I want to be in line with this God. I want to know him as my personal Lord and Savior. And then they would love people because of their love of God in that order. And would this be the legacy of our children in this church? The last thing I want to look at with this passage where Jesus embraces these kids. He lays hands on them. You wonder why sometimes people lay hands on you when they pray for you. It's a very biblical thing. You see all throughout scripture. And he puts a blessing on them. And then a teaching for us. Don't disregard these kids. Steward them well and learn from them. I want us to look at Isaiah 55, verse 1. And this is one of the things we can learn from kids. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is a powerful passage. It, it, it aligns with the Beatitudes. Because sometimes what we do in our health and our wealth, we go, I don't need you. God, I don't need you to buy me anything. I've got it. I don't need you to do anything, anything for me. I got it. This verse is the anthem of, my, of every child with parents, right? And it's something you kind of like get annoyed with as they get older. Like going through a drive through my kids aren't paying the bill, right? Like they're like, hey, Dad, I got this. Nope. They never, they never, right? My kids are still even like teaching them where, the, where the, like the dishwasher is. Right? They think that there's a magic genie who does the dishes. Right? Like, this is crazy. Right? And you're going to struggle that with kids, right? But there's a beauty there. And the younger they are, the more reliant they are. They're the most vulnerable. But they can teach us something. My kids aren't wondering today if, they're gonna, if mom and dad are going to get them a meal. They're not wondering how they're going to get home today. They're like, well, mom and dad or grandma's going to do it. Like, we can bank on it. 
this is where we need to sit and learn and watch from your children. We would do the same. And all of our health and our wealth and our prosperity of America that we'd go, we need you, God, to show up every single day. In our fast food service, whatever I want, Amazon click, it's here tomorrow. We miss out on what it is to need the Lord in this broken world. How many of us remember life before DVR? Right? There was a time when you, to, to record a show, you had to have like a doctorate degree. You guys remember that? And then you'd still get it wrong, like, oh, I missed it. Right? Or you like, someone had called you on a phone, some of us are this old, you like, you had to actually be somewhere at a specific time. Right? And then you just hope that you're like brothers or sisters, because if you had some money, you had call waiting, maybe you had your own line. Remember those days? Right? Before Spotify, smartphones. Like, one of the things in those blessings, you had to be present. Would we be present with our kids? Would we be present with our Lord? Understand, some distractions are divine opportunities in disguise. Sometimes when you trip in life, it's God waking you up on your desperate need for him. Would we remember that we need him? As a close, a couple, a couple things I've just learned from my kids and kids in this church. Number one is to have fun. Kids are hilarious, obnoxiously hilarious. The things they say, the things they do, how old they think you are because you're tall. Um, you know, or like I got married when I was, I was 27 and my kids were like, you were desperate. Because <laughs> in their war, yeah, it's just, yeah. They are hilarious. Yeah, 27, I was just an old man. To ask questions. All three of my kids, and I hear your kids, ask the most beautiful, weird, good questions. They're in awe of this world still. They're in awe of God. But we do that too. We keep asking. God doesn't mind our questions at all. He actually encourages them. Because his ways will always be higher than our ways. Express your needs. My kids are not quiet about what they want for Christmas. They're not quiet about what they want for today. Why are we? But we serve a God who hears and cares. And then the last thing is they truly need mommy and daddy. I was looking at my oldest daughter's 15. And I remember wonderful men like Chris Quinn and his wife, Ida Coyne, when they were first born. And they could see, like, all parents' kids are just tough, right? And you're like, I have no sleep. I'm a zombie. They poop and all these things. And I will always remember, especially Chris Coyne, saying, it's going to be gone. You need to embrace the hard moments, too. Right? And how much, like, how much your kids need you. Maybe you've broken relationship with your kids. Maybe like hearing that, like, oh, you didn't do well. I've never met a kid, no matter how maybe abusive you were or neglectful, that didn't wish that mom and dad would come back and make it right. Right? The life is but a mist. And I love that with kids, you learn that they need mom and dad. And we will end on, on this passage. Romans eight fifteen. This is an anthem for the church. 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which is Daddy. And what a good Daddy we serve. As we um, go through the questions, the worship team can come up as we just seek the face of the Father today. And when we truly come to him as children that need to sit at Daddy's feet, and let him hold us, let him talk to us, let him speak things over us. Three questions. Number one, who do you discard and not invite to the table? This is something that is just challenging. Is it someone that, man, you just, they're so in addiction that you're like, they'll just never get clean. And you just let that, you let the world standards just take your hope. Is it someone that you just don't like? Maybe you're struggling with racism. Right? Something we don't, we don't talk enough about is that we kind of just put the bag and like, oh, I don't struggle with this. I promise you, some of us just struggle with racism. You don't like people of a different color. You don't like people from different areas. And you've discarded people. Maybe you're like, you're younger and you're like, you know, all old people um, have hurt me. Anyone that's older, I don't like because they've always been mean. Maybe you're older and you're like, I have no hope for this world. And you need to sit before the Lord and say, Lord God, change my heart, my heart posture to who's invited to the table. Second question, are you actively part of the family of God? Spiritual fathers and mothers. It's something that we prayed for in this church when we were young and 16 years ago and we're like, oh man, we're just, there's no one over 30 coming. And we realize that we, we need the wisdom of the older generation. May we continue to see people getting off the pews and getting invested in one another's lives. Younger generation, you need the older generation's wisdom. There is some theology that's going around, that's circling around and fights among Christians. The older generations remember these. And they can give us some great keys for victory. Older generation, the zeal that these young people have for God. We need to be reminded how to worship again, how to be silly again, and how to run in the sanctuary again. And last question, do you acknowledge your desperate daily need of God? And as Americans, we forget that. We've almost come, become like the Tower of Babel in America. Look what we can do. Look at our next invention. And praise God for inventions and really smart people and creative people. But that is nothing compared to what God can do. And would we be a holy people that say, God, we need you every single day. If you guys can stand, we're going to close in prayer. In the back, there are people that would love to pray with you. And I encourage you, just like, what did Jesus do? He laid hands, hands of blessing. So some of us, maybe it's not even just, you, you need to deal with some of these questions up here. You want to know more about this Jesus. Maybe you're like, man, I just, I just need blessing. Let someone back there lay hands on you and pray for you. This is a biblical command when the Lord is leading you to do it. And you're not alone, and prayer is supernatural. There's also communion in the back. We encourage you to take it in your time and in your leisure, being reminded 
of the life that was given for us, the blood that was shed for us, and that he's returning for his bride. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we love you and we thank you. For you remind us there's no one that's too young or too low or too insignificant that you notice everything. Father, I pray for those in this room right now that maybe themselves, they just feel so insignificant. And it's a spiritual battle for them. Open up their hearts and their minds. They will never be discarded in the eyes of Jesus. They have an Abba Father. He will never leave them. He'll never forsake them. Father, will we be reminded to be on mission, to be the family of God, and that you will use that, the old, the young, men, women, adults, children, that they will prophesy in the last days. They will speak your word of God boldly in the last days, that you will use the least of us to do the greatest. We come to you today as people that need their daddy. Father, do your work in your people today. In Jesus' name.